Well, hello, church. Today we're going to um, continue in our Advent series, and the, name, the title of the sermon this morning, this afternoon, is Joy That Lasts. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, so if you would turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be reading out of the ESV today, Luke chapter 10, and we're going to start at verse 17. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 24 reads this way. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and, to over, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father God of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son, it, no one who the Son, I'm sorry, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that the believer can rejoice because their name is written in heaven. We thank you, Lord, that you give your people power and authority to go out and do your will as you see fit, Lord. We thank you for the power that is in your word that changes lives. We ask that you would give each and every one of us what we need this afternoon. We come out with an expectancy when we hear your word that it's going to change our lives, that we're going to know you better, Lord, that we're going to fall more in love with our God, our Father, our friend, our Savior, so do what only you can do. We have a great confidence that your word never returns to you void, but it accomplishes what you send it to do. So we look forward to what you're going to do in each one of us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
So when the 72 went out, they were out doing what God called them to do. And he sent them out and he said to them, don't carry any money with you. Everything that you need is going to be provided for you. But know this, I'm, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's very important that we, that we recognize that, that God is sending them out to accomplish what he had called them to accomplish. But at the same time, he let them know, I'm sending you into a hostile environment. I'm sending you uh, to a, a place and you're going to heal the sick. You're going to preach about the kingdom that is near, but you're going to have some resistance. Matter of fact, he said, when you come to a place that doesn't receive you, wipe the dust off your feet and leave that place. And he also said to them, when that happens, um, remember, Whoever rejects you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the one that sent you. When we go out and do God's work and we're rejected or we're treated wrongly, um, they're not rejecting us. They're rejecting God. But because we're the one that conveys that information, so often we take it personal. It, it, it hurts us. It affects us. When we go out into the world and we're about God's business, we get dirty. Things happen. We are in a position where we deal with a lot of different things. How is it that we can have joy in the midst of sin, in the midst of pain, suffering, and disappointment. We know that as we interact on the day by day, that these things are going to come. But at the same time, in the midst of those things, we also have pleasures. We have things that please us, that satisfy us, that make us happy, that we rejoice about that we laugh about. Paul talked about that um, in 2 Corinthians when he was saying to those in Corinth about his ministry, uh, he said in 2 Corinthians 6.10, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. You see, for the Christian, possessing joy does not mean we don't feel pain. It doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. We go through things and we need to be real about that. But the thing about it is we can still have joy in those circumstances because we trust God in the pain. We trust God through the pain because the hope that we have in his promises. 
So whenever we're going through something, we know I can still have peace because of the relationship that I have with God. So at times, we are dealing with pain and suffering and disappointment. And at the same time, joy and laughter and happiness. An example of that would be uh, someone that we love and we interact with them. And it's a joy to interact with them. They make us laugh. We have fun together. We have a good time when we're with each other. But maybe it's a family member and they don't know the Lord. So at the same time with that same person, there's a pain. There's a suffering that we go through. But even in that situation, because we remember who we were, that there was a time that we did not know the Lord, so we still have great hope. We still have peace because we trust God and are praying for that person to be brought through. So at the same time that we can have peace and joy and we can have hope, we can laugh, but at the same time, be in mourning for their present condition. Or even when we go through things that are hard, we all go through hard things, hard circumstances in our lives. But because we know who God is and we believe in his promises, we're fine in those difficult situations. We can have a peace that surpasses understanding because there are damaging situations and hurtful things and difficult situations. But we can keep our joy in the midst of all of that because we know ultimately God is bigger than the circumstances. That doesn't alleviate us from all of what we go through, but we can have peace in the storm. We can also have peace in the storm because we recognize what it produces. We don't go through things just to go through it. We don't experience pain and it doesn't lead to anything. Matter of fact, it says in James chapter 1 and verse 2, Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect. What is the full effect? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Well, if we know what we're going through, that God is doing something in it to our benefit, then we can count it as joy. It doesn't mean every part of it is going to be pleasant. It means that God is working it out for his glory and for our good. 
We can also have peace in our situations and joy in our situations because we know that whatever we go through is temporary. That is an awesome thing to know. The things that we go through are not permanent, but they're temporary. It says in Psalms 30, verse 4, Sing praises to the Lord, O his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. Verse 5, for his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Whatever we go through, even those things that are hard, we can have joy because they are not permanent and they're producing something in us. And then we can have great joy in service. The service that we do for God, we can have great joy. It says in the text that he had given them power. And he sent them out and they came back rejoicing with the victories that they had in Jesus. They were successful. And when they came back successful, they gave God glory. Part of that is because we know that within ourselves, we are weak. But we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what his word says. Service to God is never easy. If you're just giving God crumbs, it's easy. Well, you know, when my schedule permits, I'll get around to doing this when I can. That, that's not true service to God. Service to God takes sacrifice. It, it takes a giving of yourself. I think it was David when he wanted to offer something to the Lord and, and the person said, I, I'll give it to you. He said, I can't give the Lord anything that I haven't paid for. It, it, it had to be worth something for him to believe it was a true sacrifice to God. So we see that when he sent out the 72, they went to places where they were not received. Um, they went to places where they were in danger, where they were lambs uh, amongst wolves. But they went out just the same, and they were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to suffer. They were all in. God calls us to be all in. There is great joy in our service to the Lord. And then there is great joy in salvation. He said to them, when they came back rejoicing of what they were able to do for God, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is why Jesus came to his creation, so that our names 
would be written in heaven. It says in Luke, starting uh, in ver- Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 10, and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Great joy. Don't be fearful. Have great joy. Because we needed a Savior and a Savior was born unto us. God came into his creation. We were made to be with him. So when Emmanuel, God with us, came, it was a great thing. God created us to enjoy him. Actually, us enjoying God is the clearest witness of the worth that we put on God. Because we enjoy him, it shows that we value him, that he is worth something to us. Whatever it is that we find joy in, that, that's what we value. That's what we give worth to. So when it's these other things outside of him, it may be pleasing, we may have fun, but we can't have joy in those things that are going to last. Even those things that are pleasing, it's temporary. Any, even those things that we come and, and, and engage in, and it's awesome, it goes away. Just like a meal. I'm a foodie. I love to eat. When I'm eating something, I'm, I'm thinking about this has this in it and that in it. I'm eating it slow. It's so good. That's one of my favorite things to do. But when it's gone, a couple of hours, I'm hungry again. So often, the things that we believe are going to satisfy, even that satisfaction is temporary, but not so with God. We were created to glorify God. We are not going to find joy or contentment or satisfaction that's going to last in anything else other than glorifying God. The thing is this, we got to ask ourselves, what is our joy in? In in 2 Corinthians 5.15, Paul is is clear about the reason for the birth, the life, the death, and resurrection of Jesus. He says, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Jesus came So we would stop living for ourselves 
and live for him. That's what we were created to do, to bring God glory. And he had to restore us back to himself. Paul Tripp said this, no human being has ever successfully escaped the draw of sin that Paul points out here. Sin draws us away from God's glory toward our glory. Sin pulls us away from God's kingdom and produces in us an obsession, obsessive allegiance to our little kingdom of one. Sin makes us less concerned about what God wants and more concerned about what we want. Sin causes us to be more excited about our personal plans than we are about the things that God has planned for us. Sin makes us more focused on our feelings than we are about God's will. Here's what sin does. It causes each of us to place ourselves in the center of our worlds and make life all about us so we always feel the need to be in control. Close quote. Wow. That describes us. That describes the sinner. So God came to restore us to himself because God will share his glory with no one. We are to be reflectors of God's glory, not to steal it. That is the biggest problem that we have in terms of keeping our joy. You see, even for the believer, when we are about God's business, when we are intimate with him, when we are walking in his will, we're content, we're satisfied, we have great joy. But then when we start going off and satisfying ourselves and doing our own thing, which we're all guilty of, all of a sudden we feel empty. We don't have that joy. We don't have that peace. It is God's blessing that that's removed from us so that we would stay in line with his will and doing the things that he called us to do. But this is why Jesus came, to restore our broken relationship with our Father. Another thing that we have to be careful of and what can rob our joy is when we believe that joy is over there. We live at times either in the past or in the future. We have to be careful. Many allow their past to steal their joy. We, we can't go back to yesterday or last year or five years ago. We all have experiences that we've been through that were hurtful, that were disappointing. People that we love could have done something really bad to us. And those things are real. And it's not to negate that we've been through those things. 
but we can't allow that to rob our joy today. Our past was there to be a life lesson, not a life sentence. We, we cannot allow those things to permeate, permeate our hearts so deeply that in my today, I'm going to allow my joy to be stolen with something that I can't change. I also see people that allow the future to steal their joy today. Joy is not a goal for you to obtain over there. Joy is being content with where you are now, particularly if you're in God's will. It is actually disrespectful to God for us not to walk in joy if we are believers because it shows a lack of appreciation for how he has blessed us, what he has done in our lives, and that our current situation would be satisfying. Even in the rough times, just his presence, knowing that we have the Holy Spirit, just the blessings that we can count, we should take joy in those things. Every day is different, and every day has things that we can appreciate and enjoy and thank God for in that day. One of my sons was here in first service, and our two boys are grown, and then we still have Gloria, and I remember when my oldest son was about to go off to college, and one day, we were all sitting in the kitchen, and my three children were there, and, and my wife and myself, and nothing special happened, but it was a snapshot in my mind where I was just listening to the sounds of the house, everyone just kind of doing their thing. And I recognized in that moment, this guy's about to leave. Our house is going to change forever. And then the other guy is right behind him, and he's going to be leaving. And my relationship with my sons as grown men is very good, but it's very different than that day. So if I didn't take the time in that day to appreciate and to love on them and, and recognize the blessing that I had right then, would have been gone. We, we, we can't live in yesterday. We can't live in tomorrow. God has joy for us today for us to enjoy. So often we think about, I'll be happy when I get married, when I have this job, when I possess this thing. We need to be content. Are you satisfied in today? Philippians 4.11 says this. This is Paul. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. He, he didn't say, I'm content. He said, I've learned to be content. He, he says, 
I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So often we take that scripture out of context, but what that is speaking about is contentment. Wherever I am, if I'm having a hard day, if I'm having an easy day, if my belly is full or if I'm hungry, I've learned to be content because I know who the promise keeper is. I know who holds me. I know the one in whom I put my trust in. So I can be content. I can be satisfied even in my trials knowing that he's producing something. Even in my trials knowing that they won't last. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow's not here. We have today. Psalm 118, 24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Another thing we can have great joy in is the sovereignty of God. A lot of what we spoke about ties into us recognizing the sovereignty of God. There was a song that was uh, old, and it's funny because after I sung it for service, um, someone that's in their 40s was like, I never heard that song before. And I'm like, well, I'm in my 50s. So, <laughs> but the song, some of you are going to know it, was um, joy to the world now. All the boys and girls now. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. And then the next line says, if I were the king of the world, I'll tell you what I'd do. If I were the king of the world, I'd tell you what I'd do. When we were the king or queen of self, we messed it all up. By the grace of God, we're here, that he rescued us from self. If I were the king of the world, wow, what that song is saying is I know better than the king of the world that sits on the throne. I would do it a different way. This is how I would go about it. See, we have to take great joy that God is sovereign. He's in charge and we're not. Thank you, Lord. See, joy is a choice. It is a matter of attitude. That's why we read God's word, so we continually correct our attitude and our thoughts because we go off real easy, real fast all the time. It, it, it's, it's a choice. It's an attitude that stems from the confidence that we have in God, that he is at work that he is in full control, that he is in the midst of whatever has happened, is happening, and will happen. So it's either we're going to fix our minds 
on that, or we're going to wail and whine through life. But we're the ones who determine which way we're going to go with that. It says in Luke 10, 21, Jesus said, Jesus is being spoken about here. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. See, that was God's decision of how he was going to go about that. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. That's speaking about the sovereignty of God. It's God's way and God's timing when God wants and how God wants. We can take great joy knowing that God is sovereign over all. But joy is not something that we can manufacture. Joy does not happen when we say, I'm going to be joyful. It doesn't work that way. Joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So joy is a fruit of the spirit. And that is not something that we can manufacture. Matter of fact, that fruit of the spirit, all of those things work Together, you can't say, well, I'm going to work on love um, and I'm going to work on joy next week. No, no, it's the fruit of the spirit. It comes from being deeply rooted in Christ. A healthy tree bears good fruit. A healthy tree has deep roots. A healthy tree receives nourishment from the sun, from the soil, from the rain. The same thing in the Christian life. When we walk close to God, when we are in prayer, when we are in his word, when we are in his will, not when we have spiritual droughts for long periods of time, not when we're not feeding on his word, not when we're avoiding the sun, we're not going to have the fruit of the Spirit if we are not rooted in Christ. Psalm 16, 11 says, You make known to me the paths of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The fullness of our joy is going to be in God's presence. Jesus Christ came that we would have the fullness of joy, that we would be back in proper union 
with our heavenly father for whom we were created. Not that we would try to steal God's glory, but we would glorify God. Right from the beginning, God gave man a mission and his presence. In the same way that Jesus restored us back to the Father, he gives us a mission and his presence. The Holy Spirit that guides and directs us and is in us. And he calls us to do the things he called the 72 to do. Different application, but empowered by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, going out to proclaim the kingdom of God. The only way we're going to have satisfaction, contentment, peace, joy, is in the Father's will and being about his business. I was even looking at these things up here that we have, um, hope, peace, joy, love. They're all connected to one another. You can't, like, separate those out. You can't possess joy if you don't have peace. You, you, you're not going to have love from the Father without hope without peace, without being reconciled to him. All of those things are interconnected. What a beautiful time of year for us to reflect on those things. That's why we took the time to have this series where we would speak about each one of these things and what it is for Jesus to come. He's no baby in a manger anymore. We mark that day as one of the greatest days in history. Him coming into his creation, but also him dying on that cross. And there's going to be a greater day when he returns. But it is not for us because we hear this story and think it's cute. This was a matter of life and death. This is everything to us. This is where eternity lies. To have that joy, to know that we are walking in the sun, that we are about his business. Oh, my God. What can we deal with that surrounds that, that would overshadow the joy that we have in our hearts, knowing that we belong to God? Would you please come up, Heather? We can also have joy in his promises. Our hope, our peace, our joy, they're all based in his promises. It says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. 
But the things that are unseen are eternal. Thank you, Lord. So much of what we look at, so much of what's in this world, things that we chase after are an illusion that's, that's fleeting, that even if we capture it for a short time, it never produces what it promised. But the things of God that are eternal, things that we see glimpses of, things that are not always that visible. When, when we're in the midst of suffering in that time, it, it's never coming to our attention. Yes, Lord, do it. This is doing something in me that I'll be able to persevere. No, no, that's not how we think. We stop the pain. But God is doing something that's going to have eternal value so we can take joy in that. When we are about God's business, going out as lambs amongst wolves, being rejected and having to kind of dust off our feet and walk away. Sometimes we don't even realize the eternal value that even us being injured and hurt in those situations still produces. So often, the things we say, the things that we do, they may not have immediate effect. That certainly does not mean that it doesn't have eternal value. So, so often people come to their senses later. You, you found out later when your parents said something, I should have listened to them. So, so, so when you give people the word of life and they don't just respond right away, that doesn't mean it's going back to God void because it never does. It always produces what he sent it to do. So we can always take joy that God would even use us to be about his business. We can take joy that whatever we're going through is temporary and he's doing something in us. We can take joy as we just read that it is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. So when, as believers, we don't have hope and peace and joy, it's because we're too often stepping outside of God's will. And for the one that hasn't had hope, peace, enjoy or the love of the father it may be because you don't know him this may be the day that it registered that God did a work or whatever he's been doing in your life he brought you to the point where you say that's truth I need to know this savior that came each and every one of us had a day when we experienced that we are sinners saved by grace that God is sanctifying as we walk out life with him, that God is using us 
because of who we are and despite who we are. But because we are filled with the Holy Ghost, because we have his spirit, we can go out and do his work. But you may not have that spirit. You may not have that confidence in him, but you can have that today. God has spoken to each and every one of our hearts, and maybe he's speaking to your heart at this very moment where he's calling you to repent, where he's showing you, I laid down my life and paid the penalty on the cross, and the grave couldn't hold me down, and I rose up after the third day, and I'm in heaven right now preparing a place for you to come to sitting at the right hand of the Father on your behalf, interceding. That's life. Before that, you're just the walking dead. We are dead in our trespasses and sins before we know the love of God and understand what he has done for us. Would you please stand with me and allow me to pray? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hearts that you are turning towards you. We thank you for opening unstopped ears, Lord, blind eyes, Lord, that you're breaking up fallow ground, Lord, that you're giving hearts of flesh for hearts of stone, Lord. We ask that if there's anyone that you've spoken to their heart today that did not know you, that you would surround them with believers, that you would continue to grow them in who you are as you reveal yourself, Lord. And we pray for those that are in you, Lord, that we would keep our hope, our peace, our joy by staying in your will, that we would walk by the Spirit so that we would not satisfy the flesh, Lord. That we would not let anything in our past or what we're looking to strive for in our future to rob us of the joy that you have for us in this day. And like he said to the disciples, we would rejoice in the fact that our names are written in heaven. Your word says our names are written on the palm of your hand, O oh God. We thank you for what you have done in our lives. We so look forward to what you're going to do. But help us, Lord to be satisfied, to be content, to so recognize where you have us today and that we would take much joy in that, Lord. We thank you for the work that you're doing in each one of our lives, Lord. And we thank you that we know that you're not done. We know that the work you started in us that you're going to bring to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. Be glorified, Lord, in your house. Be glorified, Lord, in every one of the hearts of your people, Lord. 
Let us walk with the boldness, proclaiming your kingdom, and that people would ask us about the hope that we have within us, that they would see the joy that we have, Lord, as we walk out these days for your glory, Lord. Help us not to rob you of your glory, Lord, that our focus would be you and be about your business. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, family.